how it is. Watch it, Daniel. Okay, watch it. New guy around here asking me if my mic's on. <laughs> Alexis, keep him in line back there, okay? Um, so I was trying to, I saw that I was speaking, uh, you know, this Sunday coming up, and I was trying to decide what to, to speak on. Uh, this was a, a, a portion that the Lord had led me to, just in kind of uh, meditating and reflecting on the new year. And then uh, James actually uh, read from this uh, last week too, so a little bit of a confirmation for me that maybe we can look at this a little deeper uh, this week. But Isaiah chapter 43, uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 14, but really all we're going to be looking at this morning is verses 18 and 19. Uh, But here in Isaiah 43, the prophet says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. The Lord will bless the reading of his word again this morning. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, uh, we thank you again uh, for the great things you did uh, with the nation of Israel. And uh, we look back and we just, uh, it's amazing to consider all the, the mighty acts that you perform that we can read in your word. But we even ourselves, on our own personal testimonies, we can look back in our own lives at all, many of your mighty acts, um, especially the, the day that you saved each of us. Um, Lord God, we thank you for your power. Uh, we would ask this morning um, that you would um, manifest that power, show your strength, even through my weakness. Um, Lord God, I pray that um, me fumbling over my words, me not articulating well, will not distract us from uh, the message you want us to hear today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at um, three things here. Uh, One is uh, we're going to look at a radical departure. A radical departure. And then we're going to look at a road in the desert a road in the desert, and then we're actually going to look at rivers, rivers in the desert. But here we have this radical departure. This is going to be a brand new exodus, a brand new exodus. Um, The Lord here is is prophesying through Isaiah uh, that his people, right, the nation of Israel, they're going to be set free from Babylon. They've been in captivity now. And uh, the Lord is saying, listen, 
not only are you going to be set free, but I'm going to, I'm going to send you home. You're going to be able to go home to Jerusalem. And so we have this radical departure that he's prophesying about, this, this uh, amazing new exodus. You remember the, the former exodus, right? In fact, it, it alludes to it here in verses 16. and seven. not alludes to it. It's talking about the first exodus, right? Remember, they were in bondage in Egypt, right? And God, through a great deliverance through the Red Sea, delivered them from Egypt and was bringing them to the promised land. It's years later now. And now here they are in captivity, in exile, not in their home that God had promised them. And God is going to provide a new exodus, a new exodus, this radical new departure. What was interesting here is that what the prophet says in verse 18, the prophet's addressing Israel says this, don't remember the former things, right? Don't consider the things of old. And, and what he's referring to, these former things, the things of the past, is their deliverance from Egypt. The crossing of the Red Sea. I think it's a fascinating and instructive switch between verses 16 and 17 and verse 18. I mean, Israel in verses 16 and 17 is, is looking to the past, right? The prophet is actually, by telling them, telling them, hey, look, to the past by remembering the great things God did for him at the Red Sea. But in verse 18, they're told not to remember the former things. Not to consider the things of old. And so I, I think this shows us that there's a sense in which we must remember the past, right? In terms of God's great work on our behalf. But there's also, I think, a sense in which, in which we must forget the past. And move on to what God has for us in the future. That's what I want to talk about this morning here. You see, the great acts, right, of the Exodus, okay, they must have been so large in Israel's memory, right, against the background of their smallness now in exile. Right? Think about it. If you're, you're in exile now, you're a prisoner, you're in Babylon, man, how they must have talked about the great Exodus. Right? Oh, remember when God delivered us from Egypt? Remember when we went through the Red Sea? Or their ancestors did, right? They, they'd talk about what the Lord did once upon a time. And, and, and perhaps maybe in remembering the Lord's acts of deliverance from Egypt, perhaps they forgot about the Lord's promise of deliverance from Babylon. He had promised them that. You see, according to the verse 19 here, when he says, don't, don't consider the, the former things, don't consider things so, because in verse 19, God promised, he said, listen, I'm doing a new thing. A new thing. Something that he has never in all human history done before. You see, the works which the Lord will perform yet in the future in order to deliver Israel will be so amazing will be so mighty right will be so so stupendous that the miracles which he performed at the time of the first exodus will seem as nothing in comparison they actually will be overshadowed by the greatness and the power of his future delivering acts i mean when you consider you know the the great things that god did in the old testament the first one that comes to your mind right is the red sea that's one of the great acts of god 
What a tremendous act of deliverance for the people of God. And yet the prophet is telling them here, hey, listen, what God's going to do is even greater than that. He's doing a new thing. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah, he he makes the point himself. In Jeremiah 23, verses 7 and 8, he says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. They're not going to say that anymore. But, he says, as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Even Jeremiah told them, hey, listen, guys, there's, there's going to come a time where you're not going to talk about what God did in Egypt anymore. They're going to talk about what God did when he sent you out of Babylon. Now, such a promise, right? If you're, again, if you're the Israelites in exile, right, in Babylon, and you know the promise of God, such a promise, right? Given the strength of Babylon, right? And, and maybe the dreary routine of their lives would probably seem like nonsense. See, with their minds oriented towards the past and therefore maybe perhaps comfortable with the captivity of the present, they may not be able to perceive the new thing that the Lord is doing. Now listen, the Lord reminds them in verse 16 and 17, right? He reminds them, right, um, of the Exodus, right? He reminds them of that time in Egypt in order to show Israel, right, the validity of his promise of another Exodus, I mean, that's important. He's he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to remember what I did here because I told you I'm going to do it again here. There's validity there. And the people, right, they they should be calling to mind and pondering the things of that first exodus, right? Yes, but not glorifying the old days. James kind of alluded to that like last week. We don't glorify the old days. The exodus, right, out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea, right, should burn in their memories as a light, calling attention to the great things the Lord is yet to do. Jesus did it himself, right? Remember, Jesus and the disciples, they celebrated what? Passover. And in that time of celebrating Passover, which was what? That was when they remembered the Exodus, right? The Passover is when God had brought them out of that land of Egypt, that last plague. Right? So what does Jesus do, right? He remembers the Exodus in order to show that new Exodus that was birthing upon them. And what was that? Something far greater than the Exodus then, right? But he, he uses that initial Exodus. He uses the celebration of the Passover in order to bring forth this new one. He says, take this bread, take this cup. This is my body which is given for you. So my question is this, is what causes us to glorify the things of the past? What causes us to do that? Do we, because the present seems either boring or painful? Are we skeptical about the future? When we ponder the things of the past to glorify them, I believe we we have settled into some kind of captivity, some mediocrity or spiritual deadness. I believe that's a condition that we cannot tolerate. 
if we tolerate it, I think we'll miss out. See, our ability to perceive and appreciate spiritual things will become dull. We exclude the God of the present and of the future. We don't expect God to act. We expect things to continue just as they were. We're not open to new things, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, new gifts from God that transcend our present way of thinking. We settle into bad patterns, often without even knowing it. And that robs us of the freedom of liveliness and of hope. We miss God's great acts of the present and we lose hope for his great acts in the future. Right? We, as humans, right, we tend to be creatures of habit. Right? And, and regarding our walk with the Lord, we get used to the things that the Lord has been doing in our lives. And suddenly we can really not be open to the Lord doing something new in or through us. But we need to be open to whatever the Lord wants to do in our lives each day. And we ought to realize that he may very well lead us in a way that we have not ever been down before. So wonderful can God's future be on our behalf. That actually all the past ones, right, can be forgotten in comparison. Do you believe that this morning? That that's how wonderful God's future is for you. That it'll, it, the, the things that have already God has done in your life will pale in comparison. And it's interesting here that after he tells them, hey, listen, don't remember the former things. Behold, I, I, I do a new thing, right? He, after this strong exhortation, right? Um, the Lord says, behold, right? I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? And really what he's saying is, don't you perceive it? Do you not perceive it? Why is it you're so hung up on what happened in the past? I'm doing a new thing and you can't even see it. This question is vital to understanding how dwelling in the past affects us. The fact is, is when we're caught up in the thoughts and the events of the past, wallowing in the hurts and the pain of yesterday, we become oblivious to the new things the Lord is doing all around us. That's why God has to ask, do you not perceive it? Do you not see what I'm doing? The perceptions of someone who struggles with letting go of the past, literally their perceptions become dulled. And it keeps them from seeing the good things that the Lord is doing all around them. Maybe even now, the Lord may be doing something new in your life. Now, as the prophet says, it is springing forth. Will you not be aware of it? Are you not aware of the new thing that God is doing in your life right now? Or are you still just caught up on, oh man, this is how Brantford used to be in the past. Or this is how things were before the pandemic. Or this is how things were when I first got saved. Remember when we first got saved, how great it was? You're completely missing out on what God's doing right now. He's doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? 
It may not feel like the other things that have happened recently, right, that you've settled for. It may feel like something you've felt in the more distant past. It may feel something like a deliverance. At first, it may even feel like death. Right? The shoreline of the Red Sea, right, appeared for all the world to be a place of death. (laughs) With the Red Sea in front of you and the Egyptian army closing in, you may have felt like you were going to die. But in reality, the old way always dies. The old way has to die so that the Lord can give birth to a new way. Earlier, it was the way through the sea. Now, it's going to be a way through the wilderness. Can you not see it? Can you not perceive it? And so we have this radical departure, right? In our own ways, in a spiritual sense, we've left Babylon, right? We've been set free from Babylon. Babylon had a hold of us, right? We were in that bondage, whatever it was. But what lies in front of us? Wilderness. (laughs) We're like, okay, Lord, I got this whole new thing that you've got for me here, and man, it does not look good. It's amazing here is that the first of these future acts, remember God says, hey, listen, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? Look what he says he's going to do, right? He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness. The first of these future acts of the Lord is he is going to make a way actually through the desert. He's going to make a way for them. Now, this way of which the prophet is speaking will not be something that man has constructed. It's not like, you know, God, you know, paved the road for them, right? It will be by divine power, just as the way in which he did through the Red Sea. It will be just as literal and just as actual as the opening of the Red Sea. That God is actually going to make a road through the wilderness. Now, between the captivity in Babylon in the north there and the return to Israel actually lay hundreds of miles of wilderness, hundreds of miles of desert. God's people, they didn't need to be afraid because God was going to make a road for them. Just as the Red Sea stood in the way of deliverance when the Lord freed them from Israel, right? They were freed from the bondage of Egypt, but then that was it. The Red Sea stood before them. They could not go right it stood before them just like that the wilderness stands in the way of their deliverance now as the lord wants to free them from babylon babylon controls us and the wilderness looms before us but the lord has sent to babylon do you see that in verse 14 says thus the lord your redeemer the holy one of israel for your sake i will send to babylon he is sent to babylon to liberate us and he'll make a way in the wilderness, back to Jerusalem. What does that mean for us, right? Listen, he's made a way for us, guys, back to intimacy with him. Right? Jerusalem was where God dwelt. Right? The presence of God. Babylon was always a picture of sin. Right? God saying, listen, I've liberated you and I've provided a road for you to come back to me. Come back to me. Whatever it is that looms there in front of you, I want you to know I've made a way. I've made a way, and he'll make a way in the wilderness for them back to intimacy with him. Right? It's easy to get lost in the wilderness, right? Right? It's easy. 
Right? Even if you're not in the wilderness, right? It's easy just to get lost anywhere you are where if you don't know where you are. Right? Imagine hundreds and hundreds of miles of wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Okay? You remember maybe this new thing that God is doing in your life, maybe you've never passed this way before. Right? The Lord will make a way. Right? Listen, church, the road is being cut. It's being cut. Whatever that wilderness that lays before you, it may be a, a, a path you have never had to take in before in your spiritual journey. But God says, hey, listen, the road's being cut. I'll make a road for you. I'll make a way for you. This is a new thing I'm doing. Often, right, when God makes a promise, we worry about the details or the obstacles of the fulfillment of that that promise. Right? God replies to us in this way. He says, hey, listen, don't worry about it. Right? I will even make a road in the wilderness. I have resources and plans that you don't know about. He's saying, listen, leave the problems to me. And listen, I know many of you, many of you right now are are in that wilderness and you're caring for loved ones who are in your house or who are in rehab or in the hospital. Some of you are dealing with cancer and dealing with all kinds of stuff, marital problems and things like that. And the Lord says, listen, don't worry about it. Listen, this is a path you've never been on before, but I've made a road. I'm cutting the road for you. And I've got plans and I've got resources to take care of everything. Trust me. I'm doing something that's even better than what I've done before in your life. And yeah, it looks like right now that you're going to die. It may seem like that. Okay? But just like with the Red Sea, I made a way for them. I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to make a road through that wilderness. Not only that, right? What's the next second great thing he does? He says, listen, not only am I going to make a road through this desert, through this wilderness, but look what he says. He says, give waters in the wilderness. God says, I'm going to make rivers in the desert. Now, water is so necessary, right? It is a great necessity. Without it, no life would be possible. Right? There would be vast stretches of the earth's surface that would be desolate, dreary waste, impassable to man. It won't be the case for God when He delivers His people. In a miraculous manner, He will cause rivers of water to flow in the desert for them. And interesting, He uses the word even here, right? Uh, you'll see that He says, um, I will even make a road and rivers in the desert. The word even points out what a surprise the creation of rivers and a roadway, roadway would be to the Israelites. It would be a surprise. He's listen, I'm even going to do this for you. The one place that they wouldn't expect to find a road or rivers is where? In the desert. But that's where the Lord will create them. Neither would they expect to find a path through the Red Sea, but the Lord made a way through that as well. Once again, the Lord is promising to free His people to bring them home, to bring them to an intimacy with Him. And it all has, listen to this, it has all the earmarks of an even better exodus. For this one will not just involve water from a rock, it will involve rivers of water in a desert. Do you see how much greater this is? Their first exodus, yeah, they struck a rock. A couple times water flowed from a rock. 
This time the Lord says, hey, listen, uh -uh. I've made a road for you and I'm going to create rivers in the desert. Rivers. You know, it's interesting. He, I wasn't going to go there, but it's, it's, he mentions the jackals and the ostriches, right? In other words, the beasts, and he says the beasts of it, the beasts of the field through this, right, are going to actually glorify God because you know what they get out of this? They got water. The beasts are like, this is amazing. <laughs> We've got rivers in the desert now, right? How interesting that would be for us too as, as we take this, this road that we've never taken before this year, right? And, and, and as God provides the plans and the resources for you to get through this, I wonder how many people indirectly are going to glorify God because of that. They can say, man, look what God's doing for them. That's amazing. I know what they're going through right now. And look at this. God's providing for them. But here, even the beasts of the fields, it says they glorify God because they got water. They've got rivers in the desert. But listen, church, even if you know where you're going, it's easy to get dehydrated in the wilderness. But the Lord will provide rivers in the desert. He will provide everything you need to sustain you on your way back to Him. You don't expect to find a roadway in the wilderness or rivers in the desert, but there they are. The Lord sends to Babylon. He makes a way. He provides the water. Praise God. Now maybe the Lord is making you aware of something new that is springing forth in your life. You've left Babylon and the wilderness lies before you this year. What is the wilderness in your life? Right? Where is that place where you never expected a road to appear or a river to flow? Maybe the Lord is asking you to go there. Maybe the road is one you never wanted to take or ever thought you'd have to take. But maybe it's the way home to him. Maybe it's the way to know him as you've never known him before. When you take a road you've never taken before, you're trusting the Lord to sustain you along the way. As he sustains you, you see his power and his grace poured out for you, which draws you closer to him. Perhaps taking a new road that the Lord creates means pursuing a career that interests and scares you this year rather than the safe and expected career that bores you. Perhaps it means committing to some ministry here or elsewhere. See if the Lord makes a way. Perhaps taking a new road means immersing yourself in this fellowship rather than remaining on the fringes. Perhaps it means being open to some new relationship or to the restoration of an old one. Perhaps it means doing the hard but beautiful work of forgiving someone from your heart. Perhaps it means joining a small group or sharing in a deeper way in your small group. Perhaps it means expressing your true feelings instead of keeping them to yourself. Perhaps maybe this, this new thing, right? Maybe it's looking at people in a new way this year. That's what I think meant uh, for Paul there in, in Isaiah. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. 
I really believe Paul must have had this portion that we're looking at this morning in mind when he writes this. He says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. We share that verse all the time, right? But in the context here, it's just Paul saying, hey, listen, hey, how do we look at people? How do we recognize people? Do we look at them as the new creation they are in Christ? Or do we look at them as the world looks at them? And so maybe you need to hit the wilderness road in 2022. Okay? Listen, as you go, right, you will pass right through the heart of Jesus. You'll find that he's the way, that he makes a way for sinners such as us, and that he provides living water for thirsty souls. Yes, God has done some great things in our lives, hasn't he? He has done some great things. But listen, church, he is just getting started. Hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. Isaiah, Isaiah wrote prophetically to Israel, they were stuck in the desperate circumstances of captivity and exile. God wanted to put their eyes on the new work that he would do. So he began with a reminder to not remember the former things. If they were stuck in the failure and sin and discouragement of the past, they would never go forward to the new thing God had for them. Staying stuck in the past can keep us from the new thing God wants to do. If Israel stayed stuck in the discouragement of Babylon, they would never look for the new thing of release from exile. And don't get me wrong, listen, we can make an idol out of the new, right? We can err as the people of Athens did, right, in Acts chapter 17, who spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. We have to be careful that we can be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. But we can also err on the other side and work against the new thing God wants to do. Whatever wilderness lies ahead of you, Know that the road is being cut. He has made a way for you. And he has resources and plans that you don't even know about that will sustain you. Let's pray. Our Father, we apologize for sometimes just be being content with how things always have been. And you have um, many times brought what seems hard sometimes, things in our lives that um, we, we've never had to go through before. And uh, it's easy to just say, no, 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 Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm content with how things were. I've, I've known you 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. We've got a good thing going here. I don't want something new. But little do we know it's that new thing that's actually going to bring us to a closer relationship with you. It's going to bring us home. It's going to bring us to a deeper intimacy with you. So, Lord God, we thank you that even though this new thing might be hard, it's a wilderness. It's a desert. We're so thankful that you are cutting a road for us, that you're making a way for us. And not only that, Lord, by your grace and your mercy, you've provided any resources that we need along the way. Thank you for providing water in our wilderness journey. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here and for anyone else who is listening who right now is going through that wilderness. Lord God, that they would know that you 
have provided a way for them, that you are providing the resources necessary for them, and that this road that they're on right now is a road that's leading them closer to you. We trust in you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.